Good morning, everyone. Let's stand together and worship the Lord. Father, great to be in your house this morning. Full of joy, full of thankfulness. We worship you, Father. Jesus, thank you. Let's sing together. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging seas. My God, he holds the victory.
Isn't he good? Isn't Father good? He is good. Just the gift of joy itself. In this world, this dark, lost world, how about some joy? It only comes from him. I've heard a thousand stories of what
thank you that you're such a good father. Thank you that you love us unconditionally. On Wednesday night at youth group, we sang similar words in a different song. He's a good, good father. And I just sensed the Lord saying, I want to heal those. He said it on Wednesday night. I want to heal the young ones of father wounds, earthly father wounds. And today, singing the same words, I feel the Lord saying that for all ages. doesn't matter how old you are. We all had a dad, whether um, he was in the picture or not, whether he was kind or absent. I feel like the Lord wants to heal those wounds today. And he wants to show himself as a loving father. He wants to show you exactly what that's supposed to look like and what that's supposed to feel like. So as we sing this song and we ask the Holy Spirit to just blow through and we prophesy a move of God, that move of God brings healing. It brings a fresh wind to those places in our soul that's just wounded and never healed. He wants to set things straight, like a broken bone that's healed um, and wasn't set properly. He wants to make that right. He wants to take those broken places that were broken years and years ago, you thought would never get better, and he's saying, today's the day. God, we just ask that you would move in this place. And we posture ourselves in a place to receive, but also in a place to release, to release the hurt, to confess the wrong, not to justify it, but just to give it to you, God, because it's in that place that you can move and restore and heal. God, we just come before you and we worship you. Spirits are rushing with fire of God, fall within Holy Ghost, breathe on us, we pray. As we repent to turn from sin, revival embers smoldering, breath of God, Fan us into flame. We need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit
Even as we were singing these words and we're asking the Lord to pour his spirit out, he is more than willing to do so. I think the real onus is on us. Are we receptive? Are we open? Do we desire that for ourselves? Lord, pour your spirit out on us. Even as I was driving in today, my my alarm came on on my dash that said, I am low fuel, 20 miles left. And I was glad that I had just enough to get into town. And It's just that reminder, I needed to be filled up. My car needed gas. It needed fuel. And you know, 
I don't want a warning light to go off in my spirit because I've neglected to fill up my tank spiritually. So this morning, right now, right where we are, could you just posture yourself, whatever that looks like for you, to just receive and just just tell the Lord. Just go old school when when they used to actually fill up your gas. You could say, top her off. Just say, Lord, top her off. Fill Fill me up. Fill me up to the place of overflow. Just whisper that to the Lord. Just say, Lord, fill me up. Fill me up to overflow. You may have never uttered those words before, but this is a good time to do it. Just say, Lord, fill me up with all that you are, with who you are and all that you are. And by faith, I receive you. I receive the overflow. Thank you, Lord. We honor you in this. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen and amen. You can be seated for a minute. I don't think there's ever been a time in my life where when filling up the gas tank on my lawnmower, I haven't run it over. Any guys, any men relate to that? I mean every single time. But there's something about just knowing that thing is topped off and full. It's, you're good to go. And so just this morning, let this be a morning where you just get topped off to say, Lord, I, I receive all you are and I, I desire everything you are. My name is Jimmy Pruitt. I'm the lead pastor here at The Bridge. I want to welcome you to The Bridge. Thanks for being here with us and worshiping with us. And every service and every time we're together like this feels like a family reunion. Great to see smiling faces and people full of joy and full of Jesus. Even if you're going through rough times and difficult circumstances, it's just good to see life. It's good to hear the buzz in the room before the service starts and in the hallways, just people laughing and smiling and connecting, and so it's great. If you're new here to The Bridge, we want to welcome you and say thank you for being here with us. Maybe you're watching online, and if you are, we always want to welcome our online uh, family uh, to join us and be a part, and thank you for, for being a part of this, even online. And for those of you, maybe it's the first time you've, you've seen us or you clicked on and found us. We want to welcome you as, as well. I want to say to you, if you're watching online, if you have any prayer requests, you can see the information on the screen, info at bridgefbg.com, and you can email us any prayer requests. We'll get that out to our prayer team today. I mean, as soon as we get these, we get them out there today or tomorrow. Uh, that'll be out, and you'll be prayed for and be covered over. And for those of you that are here in-house, the same thing. You can either email us through that info uh, account, or you can stop by the Connect Center on your way out, fill out a a prayer card and just hand it to a sweet person there and either they'll get it to us or you can put it in any of the black boxes that you see around here and we will pray with you and pray for you. We're here to stand with you and hold your arms up through the difficult times. So the way that we like to welcome our first-time guests is we like to give them a round of applause. Can we welcome our first-time guests? Again, thanks for being here. We've got a little gift for you. If it's your first time out, Wendy's got a little bag here to show you. Uh, this is just full of all kinds of goodies. If you're first time out, if you would, stop by the Connect Center on your way out. Fill out a Connect card. Hand it to them. They'll give you a bag that's got all kinds of neat stuff on it or in it. And uh, Wendy, thank you. And so do that. Stop by, and we'd love to meet you and love to connect with you. So thank you for being here. And uh, prayer. So if you have your VIP card, go ahead and pull that out. We're going to pray for people that uh, we do this every week. And for those of you who don't know, it's called a VIP card since we're very important people. And these are people that God's imprinted on our hearts to pray for. And so our entities or organizations or governments or nations, I mean, whatever God puts on your heart. And so on one side, we're praying for salvation. On the other, you can fill in the blanks. 
We're praying for those to reconnect with God for whatever reason they've gotten away. So we want to take a moment to pray. We also want to pray for our church of the week. Every week we pray for a different church in or around our community, in our area, in our region, uh, because we realize that we, we are kingdom people. We're all in this thing together. We're moving the ball down the field. We're each in our respective lanes, and we understand that, and we want to bless those in the other lanes. Again, we're not competing. We're running together and doing this together. So today we're praying for Pastor Michael and his wife, Lori Deringer at Journey Church here in town. So we want to lift them up. And then always we want to be mindful to pray for our nation, and we'll do that during our time of prayer. So if you would, join me in prayer. Father, for these people that you've put on our hearts, whether it's on a card or whether it's just a name imprinted in our heart, we pray for them. We escort them before your throne of grace, and we present them before you. We ask, God, that you would work that you would move on their behalf and that you would woo them and draw them to yourself. Lord, we pray for their salvation. They would come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And so we hold them up. We pray for uh, Pastor Michael and Lori Deringer at Journey Church. Father, encourage them even this morning as they're gathering for worship. Encourage them in all they put their hands to and bless them. Fill their church to full and overflowing. Fill every church in our region to full and overflowing, Lord, with people that are hungry for you, hungry for your presence, hungry for your word, Lord. Father, we ask for revival and outpouring. And Lord, if you want to start it with Pastor Michael, start it with Pastor Michael. And we'll join in and join you in your work. So we bless them. We also pray for our nation. Father, we need you. We're a nation in crisis. And we need you. We need help. And so we call out to you and say, Father, Lord, we, we turn from our ways. We, we repent. We call out. We seek your face. We draw near to you. And Lord, we ask you to come and to heal our land and to restore the heart of what this nation was founded on. So we love you. We honor you, Lord. We want to play our part in that. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Thank you for joining me in that prayer. If you would, turn your attention to the screen for some announcements. Mind you, you can always find, uh, we're doing a digital bulletin now, and you can sit in the hall right there at the Connect Center in the vertical monitor. That's everything that's going on this week and then what's coming up event-wise as well. You can go to our homepage at bridgefbg.com and find that there on the homepage. Scroll down a little bit, and you'll see the same thing there. We keep that updated and populated every week, so you know what's coming, know what's happening, so be sure and do that. Now, for regarding our men's and women's conferences coming up, 
all in one day we're doing this. It's going to be a one-two punch. Uh, men, so here's the thing. The ladies are doing a great job at registering and getting signed up. I mean, boy, and that just keeps reminding me, wow, look how many ladies are signing up. We've got a huge crowd. People from other churches are coming. People from our other cities are coming. It's going to be amazing. Now, men, brothers, bros, dudes, <laughs> we tend to be the last to know pretty much everything around the house. So I want to encourage you. First of all, ladies, would you help us out with this? Remind your men to sign up and go ahead and register online. Help them, whatever it takes. You can register right there at the Connect Center. So we need our guys, so we'll know how many are coming. The good news, guys, there's no cost to you to come. So come on, but we still need you to register so we'll know exactly how many are coming out. So do that. Will you do that for me, guys? Will you do that, men? Okay, yeah, that's kind of expected that. <laughs> Pretty much what I expected. So I heard a grunt or two. That's a yes, so. Anyway, do sign up, do register. It's going to be a great time together. And uh, on that Sunday morning, the very next Sunday morning after the conference, Becky Alonzo is going to be sharing her testimony from the book, Devil in Pew Number 7. If you've not read that book, guys, read the book. You won't be able to put it down. It's one of those. And it's a true story, and it's tragic and beautiful and beautiful and brutal at the same time. It's brutal. So it's just, wow. I mean, read the book. It's powerful. And bring friends. That'll be a great weekend to bring people here to the bridge to, to hear this testimony and such a, a, a message of grace. So do sign up. Do, do that for us. All right. We're going to go ahead and turn our attention to communion. If you came in today, uh, hopefully you picked up one of these. If not, we've got you covered. There's Amy back there and... Oh, Doc Hardison. There we go. We got them. We got you covered. So if you will, lift up your hands. We'll get these elements to you if you weren't able to pick one up. And we want you to know here at the bridge, we celebrate open communion. So it's an open table to Jesus. There's always a place for you at Jesus' table. We want to invite you to participate today. Same online. Participate with us. All right. So if you would, go ahead and peel that top clear layer. And then the very next layer after that, the gold layer. Just peel it not all the way off, but about, about a little over halfway, and that'll help you out. Just hang on to that for a minute. So every Saturday night, Annette and I love to watch, um, we love to watch The Chosen, and that's kind of what we, it's become our thing on Saturday night, to watch an episode or two. And last night I watched episode number four, which is the latest in season two, and uh, I was so struck by the person of Jesus let me just say it this way. In, in church life, a lot of times where all of us have come from, more traditional churches probably for the most part in the past, um, we always related to Jesus as King of kings, Lord of lords, master, savior. You know, it just, it's always kind of big and up there. And yet for 33-ish years, he walked this earth as a person, the son of man. And when he sat down with his disciples to participate in what's been called now the Last Supper, he was fully human as he sat with them. He was capable of pain. He was capable of suffering and sweat and worked with his hands. And he was capable of feeling emotion and betrayal and sadness and grief. We saw that all through the Gospels. And even watching that episode last night and watching the healing at the pool of Bethesda where Jesus is so human and yet divine. And I was so struck by that and I was thinking about that even today that I learned to pray to Jesus 
as a person through the years. I wasn't taught that. I just remember being in my 71 Volkswagen Beetle. Anybody have a 71 bug? Or at least a bug, any bug owners here? Man, I'm driving down the highway, 70 miles an hour, smelling carbon monoxide, typical bug. And, uh, and it's loud, you know, and rough. And, and I just begin to, to pretend that Jesus was sitting in the seat next to me. And I would just activate my, my sanctified imagination. And it changed the way I prayed. And I was on the road a lot between Brownwood, Comanche, and Fort Worth while I was going to seminary, serving a church in Comanche, and living in Brownwood. So it was burning the road up. So I had a lot of road time and a lot of time to talk to Jesus. And I, I moved away from those formal prayers into a very personal conversation. And it got to be, I never heard his voice, like literally, but it, it got to be where I felt his presence and sensed his voice if you know what I mean. It's kind of a knowing down here. And that never went away. Once I entered into that level of relationship with Jesus, it, it's never stopped. And to this day, I talk to him everywhere, practice his presence. Maybe in this moment, as you take communion, as we participate in this together, you can just pretend he's sitting there beside you. Now, if you've got another human sitting there, just pretend he's between you. He's just there. And even just as we participate in communion, you just thank him. But don't get formal. Don't change the tone of your voice. Just say, thank you, Jesus, for being here with me today. Thank you for loving me. Here's one I always say, Lord, thank you for your patience with me. He needs a lot with me. Thank you for your grace because I need a lot of that. Thank you for your grace. Oh, here's another one. Thank you for your mercy, because I need a lot of that. Thank you for your presence. Can y'all just do that right now, even as we pray for these elements? Just thank him. Just tell him that. Think or speak in a normal tone. Don't go religious, just personal, real. On that night before he was betrayed, he was with his disciples. And they were gathered around a table in Jewish, first century Jewish style. And he picks up a piece of unleavened bread and he said, This is my body given for you. And in like manner, he picked up a goblet of wine, a common cup, and he said, this is my blood. It's going to be spilled out for you for the remission, the removal of sins. He said, when you come together like this, I want you to remember me. And that's what we're doing. We're remembering, thanking him, honoring him. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for being here with us today as a church family. And for our friends and family online watching, you're with them too. Thank you for that, wherever they may be. Kirk in Post, Texas. Judy in Turlock, California. People all over. McKinney, Prosper, all over. Watching, participating with us right here in real time. Thank you for that. Jesus, thank you. We remember and we are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. 
take the elements. Amen. It's helpful to, helpful to us if you'll hang on to those till the end of the service. On your way out, if you'll drop them in the in a trash receptacle, it'll help us out a lot. We want to dismiss our kids to their Bridge Kids classes. So appreciate our teachers and our leaders. Can we take a moment and pray for them? Father, in Jesus' name, we pray over our, our kids and their classes. Encourage them today. Bless them today. Empower and anoint these teachers to bring life and hope into their lives. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Can we clap for our kids as they head that way? We also want to practice generosity in our giving, and, and I love this part because this is where you get to see where, where uh, a lot of our resources are going in order to bless, encourage, and support those that are doing ministry on front lines. We've got people representing in, in Africa and Pakistan and Mexico and right here in our own backyard across the world and right here, locally, translocally. Uh, life is happening everywhere. And you see the names up there. You see the, the ministry specifically. I mentioned the Chosen TV series. We're supporting that as a church family, blessing that because we truly believe that is the next, that's the Jesus film for this generation. And so we want to continue to support and encourage that and, and all that. So I want to always remind you, first of all, I want to say thank you for your continued amazing, faithful support. You are making a difference whether it's a large or small gift, listen, Jesus did a lot with a, with a two-piece fish dinner, amen? He fed, he fed thousands with that. So God has a way of touching what we're doing. And let me just speak to somebody out here, and I know this is going to talk to somebody. When, when I was a dirt-poor college student, and some of y'all know what that was like. Y'all remember eating a lot of Top Ramen. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Toast was a luxury some days, and so... And then butter was even better. But so, you know, being in that, you know, and yet here I was a young Christian wanting to do my part and I always felt guilty if I didn't have a calculator out and doing 10% on a calculator. And one day the Lord just clearly spoke to my heart and said, give what you have and let me touch it. And I began to give what I had. And it wasn't much. Trust me, it was not much. But every time I gave, there was a lift in me that I can't even put into words. And it set me on a track of generosity. And so I want to encourage you, if you've not participated in you online as well, start. Start with where you are. Don't get out a calculator. Just get out your heart. That's what he's looking for. Can I get an amen? He's looking for this. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't, Start and let the Lord take your two-piece fish dinner, touch it, multiply it, and impact thousands. Start where you are. Can I get an amen? As we get ready to do this, we don't pass the plate here. If you're new, you'll notice there's uh, black boxes on those two doorways. There's one over there as well, and there's some out, out in the hall as well. So we, we ask you and invite you during this next song to go uh, give your offering there and just ask you to bless it when you do it. So let's pray together. Why don't you stand to your feet as we get ready? We're going to continue in a spirit of worship. Lord Jesus, we honor you in our worship, in our declaration today, in our worship, in our giving in our singing, in our learning and understanding the word is it is well with our soul no matter what the circumstances may be in this time and this season. Father, we present these offerings to you. We present them from our heart. 
And we present our heart in this. And we thank you for the privilege of giving. We love you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Let's worship together.
it is well with me. Father, that is our declaration. It is well with me. It is well with our soul. And it is well because you are here right now in the midst of all that we're doing. And even now we turn our attention to the word. The word that's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, we ask that you would activate the word of God in our lives, Lord. That we may learn, that we may be students of the word, disciples, learners, pupils. We want to be followers, students, disciples of Jesus. Lord, speak to us through your word. We ask this. You would open our eyes that we may see. You would open our ears that we may hear. And that you would open our heart that we may know the truth that makes us free. We honor you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen, amen. You can be seated and turn your attention to the screen. September of 2020 in Los Angeles County, California, Pastor John MacArthur of Grace Community Church received an injunction to stop meeting. Fines were applied of $1,000 a day until they complied. Grace Community Church refused to comply. May 8th, just a few weeks ago, Pastor Artur Pulowski of Cave of Adullam Church in Calgary, Canada, was arrested on a highway after holding a Sunday worship service in his church. You can see the disturbing video of him being dragged along a wet highway in his suit coming home from church. 
by the Canadian police. May 14th, even more recent, Pastor Henry Hildebrandt, Church of God in Elmer, Ontario, Canada. His church was breached during a worship service in the middle of the service, and their doors were locked by local police after they uh, made everyone leave the building. I have the highest respect for Pastor Hildebrandt because even in the aftermath, you can imagine the emotional sense that would be like, our own police coming in and making everybody leave from the back to the front and taking over the worship experience and the service and uh, locking our doors. So it's almost hard for us to imagine, and trust me on this, both of those pastors had said never in their lifetime that would they dream in a free and democratic nation like Canada who has a Bill of Rights and a Constitution giving people the freedom of speech as well as the freedom to worship. They never dreamed that this would happen in their lifetime. In fact, Pastor Artur is from Poland, and he was raised in communism. And one of the reasons he and his family moved to Canada was to escape this very thing. And yet here in his own lifetime, in his own church, he was driven out of the church. The church was locked. A fence was erected around the church where they could not even get into the building at all. Pastor Hildebrand, I would say, was much more cooperative and respectful. The church was cooperative and respectful. If you've watched the video, you should. If you haven't, it's pretty easy to find. Just, just uh, church lockdown in Canada and all kinds of stuff will come up. And I love Pastor Hildebrand's heart because he said, I know these police officers. They do not all want to be here doing this. He said, I have the utmost respect for them and love for them. And he said, we need to pray for them and pray that they would be saved. Pray for our government. He, he took what I think was the high road. And it was amazing. I watched that video again this morning, and I didn't realize it, but I was having a two-eye cry before I even realized what was going on. Tears were running down both my cheeks. I'm like, whoa. I did not expect that because something about that touched something deep inside of me even as I watched it this morning. It's easy to think that persecution, you know, on these high levels will never touch us. Last week, I talked about the pastor from China who had been jailed multiple times. He wrote a book called The Heavenly Man. He is a general over the underground church in China, which has millions and millions of devout followers who meet in secret. And it's different from the three-self-patriotic church, which is the state government-approved church, which is very, as you can imagine, regulated, dumbed-down they cannot say certain things. They have to submit their sermons to a government monitor who tells them whether they can preach that or not. This is the underground church, the one that's in hiding millions and millions of believers. The largest single gathering, I say single gathering, the largest gathering in terms of in a nation and largest number of Christians is not America family. It's China. So here's the thing. When we talk about persecution on these levels, it's very easy to enter into a, we're sitting here watching it from a distance and to think in terms of that's not really going to touch us. And you know what? Being here where we are, it may not. 
Even in recent days, you've probably watched the news and picked up as I have, our own governor and our own Texas government government has done some very significant positive things in terms of abortion and various bills protecting the unborn. And for that, I am grateful. It's the things we pray for and believe for and cheer for, but it's not like that everywhere. So in case you think we're in some kind of bubble, here's what I want to do today. Last week, we talked about this larger piece. This week, I want to talk about where it touches us, where we live, where we work, and where we play. Because all of us at some level or another have experienced a form of persecution, that is, if we're leaking Jesus. And so today is going to be a challenging message. There may not be a lot of amens today, and I'm okay with that. I'll cry when I get in the car later. But I have to deliver what I believe to be God's heart in this moment. And that came at 7.18 this morning on my way to church. So here we go. Beatitude. We've been going through all of the Beatitudes. We've gone through uh, eight of the nine. This is the ninth, which parallels very closely the one before. Last week, you'll recognize this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Seeing the crowds, he, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So he's on a ridge overlooking the Sea of Galilee. It's incredibly beautiful there, and it's a high elevated perch where you look down to the water. It's absolutely gorgeous. So he's up there, and it's a place that he well knew because that's where he went. Whenever you see the scriptures relate to Jesus as uh, getting away from the crowds or going to pray or getting up early and getting away, that's where he went was typically that place. Because it was just outside of town. It was very familiar to him and familiar to those folks. His popularity was rising, and people were saying, you've got to come hear this guy. He may be the one we have been waiting for. He may be our Messiah. And so people flocked to this hillside to see Jesus, and that's the scene that we have here. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It takes up three full chapters in the book of Matthew. Matthew being very meticulous in his writing, very linear in his writing, you see it laid out very well and very detailed. Verse 2, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, now we're going to, you can go back and pick up in the archives any of the messages in this series that lead up to this. But in verse 11, we pick up. Jesus says this, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Now, if you have ever been persecuted, you don't feel very blessed in the moment. I remember Brent coming to me. I was a youth pastor in, in a small town, and Brent came to me after school one day, and he was Mr. Athlete. This guy, he played football, he played basketball, typical small town, Texas. He ran track, and he was good at them all. And he came to me, tore up one day, and he said, he said man, he said, they're making fun of me. They're saying, they're saying I'm a Jesus freak. I said, that is awesome. He's like, no, it's not. He said, it doesn't feel awesome. I said, that's a compliment to you. They're complimenting you because they're seeing something in you. I said, what are you saying in the locker room? What are you doing when everyone's around there doing the typical dude locker room stuff? And I know, I grew up in a locker room. And he's like, I'm not saying anything. I'm just not laughing at the jokes. I'm just not participating in the, in the goofiness. 
And he said, well, I said, well, just by doing that, you're not bowing. You're standing. I said, you stand up because you're leaking out. You may not be speaking out, but you're leaking out. And you're leaking out life. And they're frustrated with you because you won't join them in it. Later, Brent became a youth pastor. He went on after that, served many years doing that. And now, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, Brent is a hospice chaplain. He's found his lane. He loves it. He and I talked about this on the phone. We talked about how when you're with someone who's about to pass and go over, you're in sacred space. It's a holy moment. And it's an honor to be invited into that space. And he was saying how much he loves, he feels like a master of ceremony sometimes because he's there facilitating this graduation, this promotion for the believer. But he was persecuted, maybe not on the level of the heavenly man. The pastor had been imprisoned many times, but he was persecuted and ostracized Socially, Jesus goes on to say, Rejoice and be glad when you're persecuted on my account, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, when you're called out for your faith, you're actually in a long line, a long line of people who've been persecuted. You're not the first. You feel like it when it happens. You won't be the last. Remember Faith, our daughter, coming home from school, and she was acting odd, and I said, what's going on with you? And she said, the kids made fun of me today. I had somebody make fun of me at school today. I said, well, why? Because I, I, I said I was a Christian, and my dad's a pastor. I said, how'd that make you feel? And she said, well, it's a good thing, right? <laughs> I said, actually, it is. I didn't have to help her with that. She understood, even at a young age, that to be called out for being a Christian is a good thing because it means your light is shining in darkness. Second Timothy, listen to this. More than likely, more than likely, I'm not saying not at all, but most of us, when people shared faith with us, whether it was in a Sunday school class, a youth group, maybe out somewhere, wherever it is that you heard the good news of Jesus Christ, Maybe as a church service, growing up, you went to church, you went to mass, you went to whatever you did all your life, and you heard various presentations of the gospel. But you probably were never told this. You were probably told that there's all kinds of amazing promises. And in Jesus, all his promises are yes and amen, right? Woo, this is awesome. We get eternal life. I get a cloud in heaven, whatever that's going to look like. I mean, I, I get to be with him forever, no more tears. It'll be life and joy. But what we probably didn't convey is that there's another thing that you get, and it's a promise. First, or 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Oh, wow. See, that's a part of the package, too. It's interesting because when something good happens to us, we assume that when we go share that with others, they're going to be just as excited as we are. Has anyone had a wake-up call on that? I don't mean just faith. I mean anything. 
You're excited. This is good news. This is a good thing. Maybe you got a promotion. Maybe something happened that was a huge blessing in your life. You got, you got admitted into this program, whatever it is, and you go share it, and you're excited, and you just assume everybody's going to be excited about it because good news is good news. And then when you share it, kind of like Joseph's dream with his brothers, it just falls flat. I know as a young Christian, I was convinced that everybody wanted to know Jesus as much as I did. And I was bound to prove it. So I was out. I was that kid who had gospel tracts falling out of my pockets at college. I mean, I was just like, I had to get the truth to people. No matter what, whether they liked it or not, as long as I, and I was taught that. As a young Christian, I was discipled into that, that we have to share Jesus, and like a good salesman, we have to close the deal. Don't, don't you dare share the gospel and not give them a, an opportunity to decide. I mean, even if you're in a 37-second elevator ride, you better close the deal, or you have failed them. And I remember being shamed as if it all depended on me that someone came to know Jesus as though God wasn't involved in their life at all. It was all on me. You ever been shamed for not telling people about Jesus? Like, oh, if you don't tell them, who will? And then the pastor cries and the music starts and we all come to the altar and repent again, like Pete and repeat. Here we are again, weeping and gnashing of teeth because we failed to convey the gospel. Somewhere along the way, we lost the idea that a witness does one thing in a court of law, one thing. They get put on the stand. I'm assuming they still do it. I haven't been in court lately, but I'm assuming we still put their hand on a Bible and swear them in, I'm assuming. That'd be a bad assumption. Is it a good assumption? Good. So I swear you in, and then, then you do one thing. You have one job, and that is to answer the questions that you are asked. Now, early on in my early years as a follower of Jesus, I didn't do much answering questions. I just thought I had to tell everybody the truth at all costs, whether they had a question about it or not. Never mind whether my character matched up to my testimony. Never mind whether I was living a life that was compelling enough that caused them to want to ask questions. I was going to, instead of share it, I was going to shove it down their throat. And I dare say, apart from the grace of God, I probably did as much damage as I did good. Like a vaccination, they got just enough to be inoculated. Sometimes what we call persecution today is not persecution. It's actually natural and logical consequences for us not walking in wisdom in the way in which we share our faith. And then we wave a flag, I'm being persecuted, I'm being persecuted. And because I didn't love the person that I was sharing my faith with, I probably created the disturbance that I'm now calling persecution. And I know I did that early on. Learned a few things. Hopefully, you've grown up a little bit. So I want to share something with you out of Peter. Now, before I do that, I want to mention something that I didn't mention last week and I meant to. A form of persecution that's happening right now. 
as you know, we're all born with a desire to relate. In fact, the very reason God created us was for relationship. So it is your, that's your default mode. Your default is to want to relate, want to connect. God put that in you. It's part of the Imago Dei, the image of God. And when relationship is violated, that is why that is the worst kind of pain in our life. People can recover from physical abuse, but it's relational and emotional abuse that is the most damaged and most long-lasting because it is, a, it is a hit on the core of who you're created to be, and that is in relationship. That's why it's so damaging. So right now in our culture, we've developed a way of dealing with people that we disagree with. And I'm talking about in the church world, in the political world, in the social world, and it's called cancel culture. Let me give you this definition. Cancel culture is a modern form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles, whether it be online, on social media, or in person. Those who are subject to this ostracism are said to have been canceled. I have high value for the delete button on my computer, but I don't have high value for the delete button in my soul towards another person. Also, to dismiss something or somebody and to reject an individual or idea. Cancel culture, as it, is currently, as it currently exists, does not give people a chance to learn from, discuss, or apologize for their alleged wrongdoings. Now, I wanted to get that out there because something has happened in the church world in the last two, three, four years that is unlike anything I've seen in my adult life. And it got spun up around the election and, and COVID, I think, even expanded and amplified the intensity of it to where I saw my brothers and my sisters it would be interesting if this was all out there, right? Oh, you know, unregenerate, you know, reprobates, the world, the lost. But that isn't where I saw it or in times felt it. And as people begin to pick sides, it's interesting growing up when I never, my parents would tell me to vote in terms of what the issues are. So I've never been one to worship a particular political person or political figure. But what I've seen in the last few years is that it's no longer about party platforms as much as it has now become about individuals. And what I saw in the last two years was this swing towards cancel culture in the church where we stopped having conversations, depending on whether you're wearing a red or a blue shirt. I told you there wouldn't be a lot of amens today. I warned you. So whether you're wearing a red or a blue shirt, it got down to the point where if you didn't wear the same color shirt I was, I have nothing to do with you. I'm canceling you. Delete. Erase. Friendships. Families divided over politics in the church. What has happened to us, family? And I'm not just asking us. I mean, I'm asking this very broad. What has happened where we've allowed these issues? It used to be where you had one hill and you're going to die on that hill. 
Now we have multiple hills. And not only are we going to die on it, we're going to slaughter people with us. Listen to this. I want, this speaks to cancel culture. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Listen to this and the words of this. 1 Peter 3, 8. It will be on the screen. Understanding that the book of Peter, both books, 1 and 2, were written to help those believers who were under severe persecution and suffering. Severe. So he comes in to say, look, this is hard now, but you're going to make it. You're going to get through this. You're going to be okay. This is a part of it. So that's the nature of, in which Peter was addressing the churches. Verse 8, finally, all of you, he's kind of summarizing, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Think about this in terms of the last three, three, two, three years and what we've been through and the division that has happened due to outside circumstances. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. He says, come on, stop that, and on the contrary, do the opposite. I'll never forget a pastor telling me and Annette and our team at another church as he was counseling us, he said, always come in the opposite spirit. Come in the opposite spirit. Man, if you're being hated, come with love. If anger's coming your way, come with joy. I mean, he's come in the opposite spirit. He was reminding us of this. Do not repay you, but bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. See, when you're a blesser, you become blessable. Did you hear me, family? When you're one who blesses, you actually set yourself up to be blessed. It's an amazing thing. Look at this. Verse 10, for whoever desires to love life, and see good days. You want a good life, quality of life? Become a blesser, not a curser. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. They didn't have keyboards back then, but I dare say if they did, that would be in this verse. Verse 11. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. You ever feel like heaven just went silent? Somebody turned the faucet off? Look what he says. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Don't assume he's talking about non-Christians here. Y'all are almost as quiet as the first service. <laughs> Verse 13, now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, now this sounds just like what we just heard. You're blessed when you're persecuted when you suffer for righteousness' sake. He's, he's echoing and hearkening back to that beatitude. For righteous sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you. Can I be clear here? If they're not asking, we may not should be saying. If they're not asking, we may not be answering. My grammar's terrible, but you get what I'm saying. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks. There's the witness piece. 
Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses. Here's what we're given a defense for, a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with these two things, gentleness and respect. Family. If our life isn't so compelling as it stands on its own, not according to the color shirt we wear, not according to whether we're vaccinated or not, that's the new shame game, not according to to whatever we, we believe in terms of the world seen at the time, but there should be something about our lives where we stand apart and above that, and our life leaks The life in us leaks out, and it touches, and it should be compelling enough that people say, how do you do it? How can you have a good attitude when the world is like going to hell in a handbasket right in front of us? How can you be joyful when the whole world seems upside down? And here's what you get to do. I appreciate you asking that question. What have they done? They've just made you a witness. And now what do you do? You share the hope. You give a defense for that which is in you, the hope that is in you. That is what we do. Now, this is a different approach than combative and confrontive evangelism. Thank you, Jesus, for another way. Now, that is, I'm just saying... There may be opportunities for you to stand up on a table in a restaurant and preach Jesus. Maybe. There might be an opportunity, but here's the deal. If there's no relationship, there will be little ability for someone to hear you. And so this is where we live, where we work, and where we play, that our life is compelling enough that people want to know. And then what does a good witness do? They simply answer the questions they're being asked. Jerry gets this as a trial lawyer, that if you decide to elaborate on your own, you'll get shut down in a second. A judge, someone will either object or a judge will shut you down. Go, wait, just answer the question. But wait, I want to, no, just answer the question. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other parts of the earth, you're going to be witnesses everywhere you go, but that only precipitates a life that's compelling. And when we are full of Jesus, we become compelling to the world, and people want to know. If no one's asking questions, you may need a little heart check. You know what I'm saying? Now, I want to invite the worship team to make their way up as we land the plane on this. Here's where I'm going with this cancel culture piece and this idea of persecution. If we do not have the grace to sit down with another person who sits across the aisle, I'm not talking about these aisles, but across the aisle on whatever issue it may be and have a conversation that is laced with gentleness and respect, we are in violation of the integrity of the Scripture and relationship. Does that make sense, family? So this is a, a different kind of message today. The last two weeks, I believe the Lord is challenging us to rise above what has happened over the last couple of years. And from this point on, to live in repentance. 
What does that mean? Weeping and gnashing at the teeth at the altar? No, it means simply turning not just from a particular way of living, a way of doing, but the more critical piece is to turn to. We get hung up on what we're turning away from. Don't get hung up on that. Just turn to Jesus, and by natural physics, you will be turning away from that which we need to leave behind. And so I think God's challenge to us, and when I say us, I'm in this too, family. His challenge to us today is to turn away from that and embrace this and say, Jesus, I'm all yours, and I turn my back on that. I'm done with that. I'm done with it. I don't care what color shirt they're wearing. I don't care if, if they live in Seattle. I don't care. What I care about is that's a soul for whom Christ died, and he loves them more than I do. And he'll do anything to woo them to himself. Let me finish this. Verse 16, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. In other words, your silence will speak louder than your words or your comments because the life in you will be coming out of you. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Can I get an amen? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, thank you for your word. Oh, your word is a challenge sometimes, Lord. Sometimes it's warm and fuzzy and sometimes it's not. So, Lord, we embrace what you're doing, what you're saying. And in all honesty, Lord, I ask and I'm hoping everyone here will ask for you to examine our hearts, examine my heart. And where I failed on this, and I have, by the way, family, I failed in this. And so, Lord, I, I want to walk in repentance from this point forward to say I'm done with that. I'm done with arguing, fighting, getting mad, throwing a conniption fit. And, Lord, in my sphere of influence, I want to be a change for the positive, a change for good, a change for life. And, Lord, that my life would become so compelling, people start asking questions. And if they're not asking questions, I need to ask myself, why are they not asking questions? Give us grace to shine like lights in the darkness and be the witnesses you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Can we stand together? Let's worship and celebrate the Waymaker.
worship you. I worship you. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. darkness my god that is who you are we make miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my god that is who you are you are here touching every heart i work Never stop working, never stop, never stop working, even when I 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You make a way where there is no way. Thank you, Lord. Father, even as we go from this place, Lord, we, we've received a challenge. And Lord, in our hearts, we want to respond to you, not to a preacher, but to you, Lord, to what you're saying to each one of us. And so we're listening, we're hearing, we're receiving, we're processing. And by your grace, Lord, we will respond as you call us to respond we love you. And Lord, I bless. I bless those watching online. I bless this congregation. As we go out this week, Father, we will be life leakers everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. God bless you. Love you.